So here is the big question. How do entrepreneurs like us, who started sales or direct selling or network marketing, how did we start our journey but now feel stuck, feel like we're struggling or we can't level up to where we want to be, where we know we can be? How do we break through and prove everybody wrong, wrong. show ourselves that we are successful and show ourselves that we can win? That is the big question. And this is the podcast that will give you the answers. My name is Lisa Hawker, and this is Direct AF Sales. Welcome back to Direct AF. Today we have another author to talk with, an extremely interesting conversation we're about to have. I want you to stay tuned and listen all the way to the end because we have Dr. Andrew Kim on. He's the co-founder of Culture and Strategy, and we are all about building culture in our teams, in our organizations, in our families, in every uh, aspect that we touch, right? It's an important perspective to listen to. It's an important idea to talk about. His is an advisory firm that helps scale-ups and fast-growing companies and teams navigate their growth journey. So he has his own extensive experience in his own businesses, and he wrote a book called Culture for the Left Brain Leader. Now, I need to know if I'm left brain or right brain, and I'm sure you, the listeners are going to wonder the same thing if they don't already know. So nice to meet you. Nice to talk with you, Dr. Andrew Kim. I can't wait to dive deep into your story. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Lisa. It's, a, it's a, always a pleasure to talk about my journey or talk about um, my book, Culture for the Left Brain Leader, and talk about well, Let's talk about both. Let's talk about yeah, both for absolutely. sure. So how, wh- tell me about your um, education and your, your businesses and all of that stuff. Like, what do you do during the day when you get up? Sure. I'm actually a periodontist and MBA by training. And because of that, my natural inclination of approaching business is looking at things from systems and processes. You know, actually, as entrepreneurs, uh, I've noticed that there are different types. Some focus completely on the, the networking side of things, trying to bring people together, whereas others focus really on the details, the processes, the steps, the data. I was a ladder type. And I was there owning a rapidly growing business and trying to grow it further. And then it almost came crashing down on me at a certain point because when you try to grow, what tends to happen is your operational expenses start going up. A lot of things have to come together. And if you don't do it in a particular way, you may lose resonance with customers and your employees before you know it. And I I was there. I was there when the expenses overtook the the revenue and i was in a bleeding situation tens of thousands of dollars a month not knowing when it's going to come around i, I still remember discussing it at the first time bringing it up at first with my wife confessing about our situation and you know it actually took a culture transformation something that i could not see earlier on it took a culture transformation to flip my situation to break past the plateau and restore the quality of service and bringing together healthy organizational culture again. So 
part of my journey was to share this story because I do believe that a lot of other business leaders or owners or entrepreneurs can benefit from this simply because it took me a long time to recognize this. And what I basically did was I tried to reverse engineer my experiences based upon my knowledge of business processes from like the MBA world, just to share it with other leaders and business owners. This is what I heard. I heard that your business was growing. Mm hmm right? And your organization is getting bigger, but yet your revenue is coming down. Well, actually, revenue tends to go up with that. However, your operational expenses go up with that. And if, if the associated revenues don't match that, then you get in the red. So a lot of things need to come together. Any growth initiative needs to is associated with increased expenses. That's there's, there's not too much you can do about that. So you need to match it with increased demand. And basically, when all that comes together, there is an increased amount of operations that are occurring, which can put a strain on your team. And if you don't set up the right organizational culture with, along with that, it is exceedingly difficult to manage that with systems data alone. You think it's possible, but it's not. At a certain point, it becomes too much. See, even systems and processes and data, it requires someone to oversee it. If you don't have the right culture, you are overseeing all of that. At a certain point, there is a breaking point, in which case one does have to become open to concepts like culture, even even as a left brain leader like myself, who sees the world with logic, I had to become open to that. And I'm glad I did because it really did turn my life around. So how did you become aware, right? So mm -hmm. how was the concept of the um, changing the culture within your organization? How did that come into your brain? I think that's a fantastic question. Well, let's just assume that I, um, that we have challenges. A left brain leader manages typically the initial approach for things with systems and processes. So they're going to introduce more systems and processes to fill the gap. At a certain point, you, you feel like you're banging your head against a wall and you're just bewildered to why none of these things are working and coming together. At that point, I, I, I began looking for other solutions. I've, I've opened up my mind. I think it did take that painful experience to open my mind to alternative approaches. And I, at that point, I engaged a consultant slash coach. At that point, we didn't call it culture. We just taught, we called it leadership and management. And there were a lot of topics that I thought was squishy or fluffy. And it was hard to see how it all comes together. And Basically, I was at the point where I was thinking, what the heck do I have to lose? I've tried everything else that I could try, so why not take a leap of faith? And even while I was doing it, it felt odd because I had to do things differently, treat my everyday situations differently. It really took a leap of faith, discipline, consistency, and repetition to eventually hit that critical mass where 
where everything turned around, where problems were organically solved, ownership was commonplace, and reaching a higher level of results. So tell me like one or two examples of something that you had to do or implement that felt sort of squishy and uncomfortable and weird and fluffy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I could probably talk about a few, uh, a few things. Um, first of all, within, within this concept of uh, culture for the left brain leader, there are various pillars that I recommend. Okay. And one of them is about uh, setting up alignment rhythms. And so there are different types of that. And for the sake of this conversation, let's just focus on one of them, the one-on-ones. Okay. Now, interestingly, it's something that I learned while trying to uh, learn how various progressive technology companies actually do their management. It's a very common practice. However, in many traditional organizations, they don't know what that is and they don't do it. I was guilty of that. I didn't know what that was either. Okay. So for those who are, are listening and wondering, what is that? It's simply a time that you put in your calendar to meet with your people one-on-one to talk about various things. Because I know one thing, I'm a results-oriented person. And so it's very easy for me to forget. Not that, not that I don't have... Um, respect and curiosity for our teens just because I forget so by having some time set, and it doesn't even need to be that long where you just talk about what's going on in life are they doing a good job what are the tools available to them what are their aspirations also what are their strengths and weaknesses uh, in terms of like in terms of their development aspect rather than just the tasks alone now, for those who are accustomed to doing something like this, it could feel normal. However, if you haven't been doing this before, this can feel extremely odd. Okay, And in fact, it, this, this is where you just need to stick with it. And even if you have a few odd sessions, I, I recommend continuing to do it because eventually people start realizing, oh, this is a thing. This is a space where I can bring things up. It's not a harmful space. So that's one example. Another example, I'll probably refer to another pillar that I talk about in uh, culture for the left brain leader. It's about how we approach our everyday instances. For example, as a left brain leader, we're either gunning for what we're trying to do or we got promoted to our position because we know what to do. And because we know what to do when something is brought up, it's so easy for us to get tempted and just tell people what to do. It is probably one of the quickest fixes to situations. However, what I've come to realize is in the long term, that's actually harming the situation. That one took a long time for me to realize that my ideas, even if it's a more elegant solution, in the long run, it would lose out in productivity compared to ideas that people can come up with. And the reason why is because if it's my idea, what tends to happen is they don't know it inside and out. So when curveballs get thrown, and they will, 
if it if it doesn't happen right away, it will in a matter of time. They don't know what to do with it. They freeze. However, if it's their idea, it may involve a little bit of guidance to just get the idea in the right relative direction. As long as the idea is in the right general direction, it tends out to tends to win out in the long term. Because when curveballs get thrown at them, they know what to do with it. They know their iteration, their pivot, and this was something that was very that took me a very long time to learn and understand. Because I was all about the the elegance, the logical step by step result, but that doesn't always win out in the long term. Not only that. It builds a relationship between you and that individual, especially in today's time. Loyalty, retention, those things are very important, especially in today's workforce climate. Along with that, there's a sense of purpose and development. So, those are just two things I, that that、uh, is relevant to culture that I kind of talk about. I love it. So, how do you know if you're left-brained or right-brained? I I suspect I'm left-brained.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm sure everyone has a certain degree of being both, but there are those who tend to lean towards one side more than the other. Left-brainers tend to see the world through systems, processes, whether things make sense. Maybe they might even get a little bothered when people say things that aren't very logical. Okay, they tend to do business when with organization, putting things together in steps. Now, the thing about that is, it is important. I'm not downplaying it. In fact, that's that was my default way of approaching business. But what I'm trying to say is, it's not enough. In, especially、right. in today's climate, a right-brainer tends to forget the <laughs> processes, <laughs> bring together the people, but perhaps needs reminders that maybe we do need to measure something. Maybe we do need a KPI. What is a KPI? <laughs> That kind of stuff. But a left-brainer typically、um, <clears throat> may have a tendency of overkilling the. The systems, processes, and data side. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I know that you say that there's a lot of,、um, you know, engineers or lawyers, doctors that are all sort of left brain, system、mm-hmm. oriented, you know,、um, very linear, logical thinkers.、Right. And、um, I actually wrote a book about.、Um, A system <laughs> <laughs> that I created called the Five Daily Steps. Bingo!、Uh-huh. Um, and it's just in my mind, it is so clear and so simple that if you execute daily on these five action steps,、mm-hmm. you are going to, you know, move the needle a little bit closer toward your goal. Now. I don't have any employees. I have a team of independent contractors. We all work for ourselves. But in network marketing, you know, culture is so important as it is in any LLC or corporation where you actually have W two employees as opposed to you know a bunch of ten ninety nines together,、mm-hmm. right? 
So everything you're talking about, you know, resonates with me. Um, and so I'm really excited about this conversation. I mean, this is just so important. So what do you recommend um, how to get started down the journey that you are talking about mm -hmm. if you want to improve culture? Well, first of all, I think one of the most important things is to become open to it. And the reason why is because I was the one who resisted it. So I, I understand, I get it when people say, what are you talking about? We have goals to meet. We have revenues, um, revenue goals that we got to hit. We have expenses. What are you talking about? And it took me a long time to realize that sometimes we do need to slow down to speed up. And this does involve opening our minds to it. So first of all, if our mind hasn't become open to it, become open to it. Second of all, there's a lot of plethora of um, tools out there available. Okay, If we want a logical approach, by all means, you can start by getting the book Culture for the Left Brain Leader. Now, you'll, there's a few more pillars that we could probably cover in during this conversation, just to get like a like a teaser for it. Uh, like for instance, um, becoming open to how our organization is structured in terms of its processes. Again, even though we were talking about getting away from processes, I'm revisiting it because there's also a paradigm shift that needs to occur in how we design our processes. And that's both in terms of the HR, but also in terms of the business units. Now, if we look at our traditional approaches of designing processes, then you may understand, you may notice that it's inundated with information overkill or data overload. I like to bring up the analogy of the transition we made from an MP3 player to the Apple iPod. Now, one might say that, oh, we're just, is, is it about trying to make our processes simpler? It's a little bit more than that, okay? It, it involves a mindset shift. Like, for instance, if you look at the iPod, it wasn't simpler. It was still an engineering marvel. The difference is the fact that it was um, user-friendly and more elegant in its design. Now, we can also design our processors processes for that to make them more user-friendly. So it's not tens of pages of instructions. So that data is accumulated without, um, without having all this manual work, streamlined, transparent for people to look at it and interpret and collaborate together becomes, because it becomes a scoreboard. You see how we're encouraging ownership and engagement from all directions? So that's another mindset that we need to adopt, how we look at that. Beyond that, if we actually look at the various transitions that need to be made, people may not be comfortable with it. So we need to understand the psychology of change because we have to understand that this is an intimidating process. So there is that dimension as well that we actually 
help guide people through these transitions of change so that we all get there together. I know that word change can sound scary, but... Well, my question is, you know, who, who do you think it's more difficult for? Do you think do you think this is more difficult for the business owner or mm-hmm. the team leader that needs to implement this and open their mind and change their mindset or do you think it's more difficult for the intimidation factor or the mindset of the team or the employees like mm-hmm. what is going on right now am I going to get in trouble like do I really is this really a safe space for me to speak my mind what if my idea that I come up with right. and implement sucks like then what you know so it's scary for everybody it is what would you say to that it is and I think Lisa you, you meant you um you said it very well this is a journey for everybody but it all starts with the leader so meaning that that as leaders, we need to become open to these ideas and we need to take that leap of faith. Because especially in today's business climate where things are pivoting around so quickly, a rigid approach to business is, doesn't seem to be uh, making the cut these days. So a nimble approach, which actually requires getting everyone on board is required to survive and thrive in today's environment. And it is intimidating even for the business leader to open things up. It may feel like we may be opening up the floodgates at a certain, to a certain degree. Now with a prudent approach, if we're well prepared to announce and make the transition, we can greatly mitigate the risks of potentially bad ideas being proposed, potentially people not being thrilled with it because it does involve creating open door policy so you can hear things out, begin dialogues, etc. Beyond that, uh, we do have to understand that it, it is intimidating for some folks, especially if they've become accustomed to widespread wounds, perhaps distrust to a certain degree, it does involve beginning a healing process, especially when we're trying to understand and facilitate this through the psychology of change. So yeah, you, 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 I think you're sizing it up in, in your head very well, Lisa, what, what is <laughs> actually um, being discussed and talked about. <laughs> so what was the most challenging pillar for you to implement? Oh, that's a great question. Well, when I first announced this, I wasn't really told or given heads up that there might be resistance to it. To me, the value proposition was so clear because we're trying to create a work environment that is um, better for not just the business, for the employees as well. So I thought that everyone would be excited. Well, what I came to realize was that that wasn't necessarily the case. I wish I was given a heads up that it might be like this. <laughs> I certainly give that heads up of what are the various possibilities that might arise from this announcement. But I think the initial kickoff was the most challenging part because I wasn't prepared to handle um, concerns. I wasn't prepared to handle uh, potential objections or resistance. I just assumed that everyone was going to get on board. Now, 
That's where I've learned how to receive those <laughs> those elements, so that you you are well prepared for it. I believe that was that was the toughest part, the initial management of the uh, of managing the change in terms of the psychological aspects. Perhaps that was one of the tougher ones. As you try to live yeah. through this. It feels odd. Even, even at times, you may even second guess yourself. But I encourage for those who try to walk this journey, push on, because it is the consistency, the repetition, the discipline to actively listen and hear out your your team members. But at the same time, at the same time, provide guidance in terms of their ideas. Because it does get to a certain point where, again, problems are organically solved and engagement and ownership is commonplace. Now, interestingly, you would think that there's a set point where you can measure success. But I found that it's not necessarily like that either. There's a certain point where you just look back along your journey of business leadership and you look back and think, wait a minute. I'm not as stressed as I used to be. I have a lot more time than I used to have. The problems I used to have aren't there anymore. I don't feel like I'm cat herding all day long. <laughs> so it took a little bit of time just to take a step back and just reflect on life. Hey, wait a minute. I'm in a different situation in life. How did that happen? <laughs> and actually, actually, it was that train of thought of just being curious about what happened when I realized what I had done was a culture transformation because that word wasn't used wasn't used to to guide me through the process when I work with a coach or consultant. They just said, "Hey, do these things, and it'll be great." And I was like, "Okay, let's give it a whirl." It wasn't great all the time, by the way, but then we did go through it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, change for anybody is really hard in the beginning, and most people resist it. I mean, our brains, as you know, are literally wired to resist it and to seek comfort. Mm -hmm. Our brains are wired to warn us away and stop any behavior that feels uncomfortable. So you have to push yourself, and in this case, other people, mm -hmm. to sort of embrace the idea that, Change is going to happen. This is going to be a good thing. And when you met with that initial resistance, I suspect you might have been a little pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> or even insulted. Mm -hmm. Kind of along that, that line. Because you're like, here I am. I'm coming up with this great idea. This is going to be fantastic for everybody. I'm going to empower my team. We're going to work together. We're going to change the culture. You know, and then you got a slap <laughs> in the face of reality, right? Yes, so yes. I, I understand what you're talking about when you say that you as the leader um, need to have that discipline mm -hmm. to keep the consistency of your effort. And then it becomes normalized and it becomes routine and it starts to get a little bit easier. Yes, Absolutely. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you're right. It all began with like, you know, a vision, in which case that's you know, just touching base um, a little bit on that fifth pillar, which is approaching strategy in a way that is both nimble at the top, 
because our market landscape is constantly shifting on us, but also something nimble at the bottom. So meaning giving a certain amount of flexibility for the team. Now, because it's a great way to kick it off, because let's just say that you, you just try to treat our team members nicely. You'll notice that it just kind of fizzles out after a certain point. The backdrop of a strategy is usually strong enough for people to take it seriously. And when people take it seriously, that's when people might start bringing up certain concerns, to say the least. Okay. Now, let's just say that we don't have the desired culture where where um, problems are organically solved and ownership is commonplace. If you don't receive any concerns or resistance, likely no one understood it and no nothing is happening. Okay. <laughs> and I found that using the backdrop of a strategy, something where people can take it seriously. So this is the direction that we want to go. And in order to achieve it, we need to we need to approach our culture a bit differently. And this is what it means. That's what it's usually required to get people to start connecting the dots and taking it seriously. Otherwise, and I and I know that many other business leaders or owners have done this before. They want people or leaders have begun initiatives. They get excited about it, but it's fizzled out before. Now that being said, people might treat it that it's just another effort that's going to fizzle out. That's why, once again, the backdrop of a strategy is very helpful in getting people to take it seriously, connecting the dots to what it means to them. Also, connect the dots for you yourself, because once you get that momentum going, one thing I've come to realize is that moment, momentum also helps motivate me as a leader as well, too. Yeah, the important thing about momentum is that you, you lean in further. Mm -hmm. You press down on the gas more. Um, that's what I found. If you, if you gain a little bit of momentum and you ease up, it kind of falls apart. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's what I've experienced. So where can, uh, the audience find you? Where can they follow you? Where can they get your book? Where can they learn more about the pillars and the, the leadership of the left brain? <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, you can find the book culture for the left brain leader on Amazon. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. I can be found as Andrew YJ Kim. You can also you can also email me at Andrew at cultureandstrategy.com or even look at our website www.cultureandstrategy.com. I love it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your insight with us, your experience with us. Really, really interesting. I'm looking forward to implementing some of what I've learned. That is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It, it was it was fun just sharing about some of these insights that, that I've learned along my journey. So if there's any one last take home that I can share before yes, we, please. we uh, adjourn is to consider these ideas before it becomes a do or die situation. Because I began it 
my journey during that do or die situation. And it was extremely stressful with a tremendous amount of pressure. First of all, if we wait till then, there is a possibility that it might be too late. Okay. But even if it's not, it, it, it will be, there will be a tremendous amount of pressures that we need to overcome, not just amongst our people, but then the financial pressures, the expenses, the goals to me at the same time. So I encourage people to begin opening up their minds because I require that plateau, that brick wall, that painful thing to become open to it. I hope that I've, I've encouraged or motivated some to become open to it before it gets to that situation. That's really good advice. And the, the truth is that things happen for us, not to us. Mm-hmm. And so it was really good mindset pivot that you were able to do, um, recognizing that hitting this brick wall and you know, I think you used the word confessing to your wife that you were in this financial situation, you were in this bind, um, and something needed to change. Mm-hmm. And so instead of, you know, throwing your binky in the corner and curling up in a ball and saying, why is this happening to me? This I'm just going to close my office. I'll start something else, blah, blah, blah. You <laughs> recognized that this was happening for you and mm-hmm. that you were able to grow as a business owner, as a leader, as a human, because you're a happier person, you're a happier business owner mm-hmm. Absolutely. with a lot happier uh, team underneath you. Absolutely. <laughs> that mindset is important, <laughs> even though it sounds squishy for our left, a left brain audience. It is so important. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Lisa. For more information on the Direct AF Sales book or custom dice course or workbook, go on over to directafsales.com. There's going to be a discount code for all the listeners there. It's code DIRECTAF20 and grab yours today. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please leave me a review. Make sure you subscribe. And even better, share it with a friend so that we can share our message and our content and help as many people as we can. Thanks, guys.